This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, December 20th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. And I know you are all probably ramping up in preparation for the holidays. Yeah, it's uh, tomorrow marks two weeks till Christmas. And then we soon have the new year. And uh, this is also a time where many people look back and assess what happened this year and plan for next year. And when you're doing that, uh, many of you may feel shell-shocked, right? A lot has happened this year. So much on the political front, obviously. The economic front has been shocking in many ways, right? Shocking in the fact that a pandemic was probably on no very few people's radar of world events that could impact their lives in a dramatic way. Especially this dramatic. And it changed many of lives around you, including your own. And then there's probably a lot of shock on how resilient in some ways the economy was. And in others, not so much, right? Maybe supply chains, for example. So this is a time of reflection. And this is my job each and every weekday, as well as Steve's, to help guide you, provide you with unbiased guidance to answer your finance and investment questions. So my goal is to help you develop the strategies, and when you're doing that look back, that reflecting, and you're thinking about how not to, just to change your portfolio, but also your savings habits, your thinking habits, right? Because mindset is everything. All your decisions are filtered through the mindset and the lens that you create yourself. And we all evolve. And everyone should think about evolving, improving, adapting. Right? If you're the same person you were at 18 as you are at 38 or 58 or 78, probably didn't do much evolving, changing, improving. And so that's what I challenge you to do going into this year end, think about it from a very, very top level. Right? In investing, there's top-down approach, which is macro thinking, understanding the economy, inflation, geopolitical, etc. But you can go even higher than that from a macro perspective and improve your own lens that will color your investment decisions and your savings decisions, right? We 
We're on Invest Talk, but savings is just as crucial, if not more, than the investing side. So I challenge you to use the time to just improve, learn from this year. If you didn't learn anything from this year, then you probably weren't trying. I think everybody had improved if they actually sat down, looked at the opportunities set in front of them, and found ways to do something with their time to improve their lives, and this is a great time to do that. Now let's check in on the market today. We had the S&P down about five points. Small caps were up a little. We had the IPO of Airbnb that just crushed it out of the park. What, a $100 billion valuation now? Just wild time. Wild times, people. So, uh, very interesting. And we continue to see that rotation. Even though you had Airbnb go off well, tech sector, not so well overall. Right, a lot of the FANG names were, were weak yesterday. Some maintained their weakness, some had a little bounce, but we still maintain that rotation out of growth and into value. Now, as you can hear, I have a busy and information-packed podcast for you today, so let's get right to our first caller at 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Christian. Uh, I've got a quick question. I've been uh, buying stocks that are low, and then as they go 30% high, I sell them. So I'm normally keeping stocks for like, uh, like one or two months. Uh, I want to know if this is a good strategy since I'm making some profit, or will I be penalized for paying more taxes uh, next year? Thank you for your time, and I love your show. Well, you have what uh, Steve calls a good problem. Right? There are good problems and there are bad problems. Bad problems are you don't have any money. Good problems are you have to pay taxes because you made money. Okay, So what you're talking about is, hey, I made some good trades. I rode the rally in the market on some certain names. I sold them rather quickly. But that's something that you should have thought about when you were selling. right? In a taxable account, you have to think about the tax consequences of taking gains or buying stocks that have dividends. Right? You're going to have tax consequences. So, is it a good strategy? If you're making money, it's a good strategy. <laughs> if you're, you're going to pay taxes, you're going to pay taxes. But than losing money, having to write off, right? So, you know, this is a time where you think about tax loss selling. You probably have some losses. Probably didn't hit a home run every single time, right? Maybe it's a time for tax loss selling. Because typically that's what December is for. Figure out what the tax liability is and make the proper adjustments. Thanks for the call. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and the calendar does not lie. Winter is coming up, I think, what, a week, or, week and a half away or so? Holiday season is in high gear, and while we adjust to a new way of celebrating, we should remember that the task of building a better financial future in your own version of financial freedom must continue at all times. This goal requires information and effective strategies, and we should talk about this. And your participation is an important part of the mix. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART.
What a difference a year makes. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns the headline COVID-19 pandemic fallout. Over 68% of Americans had financial setbacks in 2020. So we're going to go over uh, what this Fidelity survey is saying about Americans and what they're concerned about, why they were experiencing hardship, and what 2020 will bring. A large percentage of them plan to spend next year in survival mode. And we're going to look at that story overall. Next, recently Facebook has seen an FTC lawsuit signed by 48 attorney generals on Wednesday, so as yesterday. And you have other companies like Amazon and Google fighting their own battles with governments. And we're now hearing from the Wall Street Journal that are even more companies of these big fang names are getting the, the ire of government regulators in regards to their business practices, some monopolistic, some predatory. And we're going to dial, look, at, look at that story. Why is that happening and what that means for the sector overall? Next, there's a big thought that incoming president, or I guess you call it President-elect Biden, is eyeing stimulus that will promote electric cars, right? And there's a, it's a big reason why these electric car companies are, are hot right now, and everyone's you know chasing the story. Uh, but we're going to dig into the story on the ground which is what type of market share does, do EVs have today? And then how could he potentially actually get it up to something substantial? Still minute, very minute compared to uh, internal combustion engine cars. And we're going to look at that story as well. Now, from time to time, I'll do, I like to take a minute to remind you that on here on Invest Talk and my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And we do that each and every weekday by providing unbiased guidance both on air as well as off air when we're talking to our listeners in office. And we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you are having trouble doing it yourself, right, making the proper decisions, having the proper discipline, I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. And you can send us a message through investtalk.com or you can call our offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Obviously, there's no obligation to talk. We would love to help you. Now, let's pick up another caller question as you can, can call between 4 and 5 Pacific time and talk to us live. Or you can call any time other than that, day or night, 24-7 at 888-99-CHART, and we will answer it on a future show. Hey, Steve. This is Kian. I'm a 21-year-old investor, and uh, I just started listening to your show. I really enjoy it. 
So I had a question. It's December 9th at the time that I'm asking you this. And, you know, the DoorDash IPO just went live, and tomorrow is the day of the Airbnb IPO. They're not really tech stocks. I don't, they're, you know, consumer sort of services that are coming live right now. What do you think about, you know, the future proofing of them? Or are they just sort of flashes in the pan? Do you think it's worth, you know, investing in these after they launch as a long-term investment? Or are they something that we still need a little bit more research on? You know, I just wanted to get your opinion on that and see how you felt. Thank you. Well, I would definitely say Airbnb has uh, more staying power than, than DoorDash in my mind. I think uh, both have competitors, right? You have VRBO um, and HomeAway. There's other ways that you can, you know, booking. There, there's a lot of other ways that, these landlords can put their property on sites to get rented out on a short-term basis. So there's certainly competition. Airbnb, I think, is still the leader. Um, you know, But I've said this before about IPOs, that vast majority of IPOs, especially post-launch, right? if you can get it before they actually hit market, a lot of Airbnb um, renters were able to get shares cheap or, or before the actual, they started trading, right? I think the IPO price is around $89, something like that. Um, and it closed today. Let's see what it closed at. 144. And so uh, many were able to get it before then. And oftentimes that's a very good thing, especially if it's an IPO that is in high demand. Uh, so if you're able to do that, I usually recommend you buying that and getting, taking advantage. However, they usually go, and, and the investment makers do this right. They're smart. They typically keep the share float small, and they try to keep the hype high, right? And so you have a lot of hype, a lot of interest, just chasing the story. There's not a lot of information on the stock because they, they haven't traded very much. You have to really dig into that uh, S1, and that often means the stock pops near term. Six months later, though, typically the lockup period ends and then more supply comes on and that's when the stock often underperforms but it doesn't have to but I do think both of these have dur durability uh, it's just a matter of what's the right value for companies two companies that don't make money still now I'm ready to take your call we're waiting for you live at 888-99-CHART You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now my main focus point today is on how sixty eight percent of Americans, according to a Fidelity study, about two thirds, have experienced some sort of financial setback this year due to either job loss, declining household income, or drawing down on emergency savings in some way. Now, there were 3,011 surveyed adults, and 38% said they will spend next year in survival mode. 
meaning they'll focus just on the day-to-day getting through the year as opposed to focusing on long-term goals. But we know on the show that that is not a great position to be in, and it can have very lasting effects. Right? If you just shut down your contributions to your 401k, for example, which many people did, that can have effects 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Right? Because that money's no longer growing. You're giving up on an employee match, for example. Sorry, employer match. And if you look at what the respondents said that they were going to do to, you know, what, what caused the setback, 23% they lost, said they lost a job or household income. 20% had an unexpected non-health emergency. And 18% had, per, had to provide unexpected financial aid to a family or friend. 16% had their own actual health emergency within the family. Could have been COVID, could have been something else. Of the 30, 78% all, of all the surveyed adults under the age of 39, so the baby boomer generation, basically, they're the ones considering making a financial resolution for the year ahead. That's far less than the 59% of Gen X and boomers. So you can see that the younger adults were most impacted. And you can, see, you can understand why. Right? The younger you are, the more likely you're probably working in a service industry, right? working for uh, a restaurant or a hotel, uh, an area that is likely impacted more than maybe if you're working at a desk right? when you're older. And so it's clear why it's, it's tilted that way. And Americans plan to cut their financial, or plan to cope with the setback by cutting expenses, relying on credit cards or personal loans, and dipping into emergency savings. Also, things, the first part good, right? You want to cut expenses, but adding on more debt and reducing that emergency savings uh, is not the best idea. I definitely would reduce emergency savings before adding on debt, right? Because that doesn't cost you really any interest, especially now when savings, uh, you know, interest is very little. But it just shows you that going into next year, you really have to tighten up your budget. Continue to try to build that emergency savings. Right? Those expenses are very important. And maybe even find new sources of income. And that's always great. Diversifying your income stream is a great way to think about how to consistently maintain a standard of living and a savings plan that can endure. Let's go to Phil in San Rafael, looking at mRNA Moderna. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Do you own Moderna, or are you looking to buy it? I fortunately do own Moderna. I bought it uh, early mm-hmm. on in the year, and uh, I've done obviously quite well. But just wanted to check and see what your take. It's, it was kind of a speculative play for me. I uh, have a diversified portfolio, and I'm just wondering, with the huge run-up that it's had, I mean, do you think it has more to go? Should I take some profit, or, you know, what do you think? 
Uh, I do. I would definitely take some profits up here. It's overbought. You had a big reversal candle. What was it? The first of the month, and it hasn't really reached that high uh, and exceeded it. And so that was on high volume. It looks technically like it's consolidating uh, near these highs to actually break lower. Um, now, Moderna, the, the, the Moderna vaccine has been approved. Uh, it looks like. And that's certainly a positive, but the market knew that, right? The market was expecting that. Uh, analysts are expecting to make $7.55 next year, but that's after never making money before. And so the pandemic has been a, a real boon for th this company. But if you, have to th you have to think about it, they're kind of a one-trick pony, right? If they weren't making money before, what makes you think they're going to make money after this vaccine is out and put through? And they have other vaccines that are, are competing, right? The Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine actually had higher a much higher uh, reaction problems than the Pfizer vaccine. And so if the Pfizer vaccine can be uh, distributed, I know it's harder to distribute, but if it can, I think most people are going to want to take that one because of the lower side effects. Um, so I would definitely take some money off the table, and the rest I would have a tight stop on it. Thanks for the call, Phil. On the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. Walmart earnings top expectations as e-commerce sales soar 79%. Walmart's CFO says the shift in purchasing patterns at the start of the pandemic amounted to three to five years of acceleration in e-commerce. So interesting trend uh, looking at that one company in a very important e-commerce space. That story tomorrow that Steve will get to. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E com hackerone.com This is Invest Talk. You can get your free Invest Talk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or investtalk.com. The anytime listener lines never close. Steve and Justin are waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey Justin, my name is Harris. I'm based out of Los Angeles. 
and I'm not only new to investing, but new to your podcast. I have two particular questions, and you can feel free to answer one or both or neither at your disposal, but two topics I'm very interested in. I read a lot online about EV stocks and how they could you know, have a very promising short-term future for a lot of new investors. So I want to know your opinions about upcoming EV stocks, your favorite EV stock if you have one, and whatnot there. And then secondly, the other thing I was curious about was merger and acquisition companies or SPACs right now. I read a lot about their uh, high-risk volatility in the short and long term. So I'm curious about what you think about those, if you have any favorites what your thoughts are on SPACs for the future of investing and what that could mean for uh, everything coming up. So thanks for your time. And I love the podcast. Uh, Keep plugging away and take care. Thanks. Great question. And uh, glad to have you as a new listener. Now, the first thing I'll have to say is I cannot recommend via SEC rules uh, particular companies, right? Because I don't know uh, your full financial picture, et cetera. Well, if you ask about a particular company, this goes for everybody out there, if you ask about a particular company, I can give you my opinion, but I can't give opinions of particular names. Second, uh, you know, you're, uh, uh, it sounds like you're, you're new to investing, you're doing a lot of research online, probably on message boards, et cetera, uh, and EV is the hot space. Uh, oftentimes, investing, uh, more than often, uh, the vast majority of times when you are in uh, investing in a space that that's just hot and everyone's excited about it, uh, the valuations are are stretched. Right, people are are following the story more than they're following the the actual uh, business prospects. Um, so there's that. Third, EV EVs in general uh, are, are tough to make money on. Uh, they're more expensive than internal combustion engine cars. And the auto industry long-term is just a very difficult business. It's a very competitive space, right? Uh, if you look at the big names, Ford GM, Volkswagen, etc., they have poor, they, they have lower than average margins and profitability longer term. High fixed costs, right? So very cyclical uh, meaning their their earnings go up and down very fast, depending on demand, and all those make longer term investing, especially at these prices for many of these EV names, difficult. Now, what will I say? Will I say where the opportunities are? I think the opportunities are more in the companies that provide the nuts and bolts to. The electric vehicles, right? That maybe have technologies, competitive advantages that are important in building electric cars. I'll say that. I think that's better than the actual automakers. And you can see that with OEM uh, manufacturing uh, companies, right? That, that make parts for the big automakers. They tend to be more profitable than the actual automakers, right? From a margin and cash flow standpoint. So there's that. Next, I would say, if you're actually looking at automakers, I think what's underappreciated are the actual big automakers. There's one, say it's in Europe, that I think is more advanced than than most, right? That have different electric car offerings that are really killing it across multiple of their brands. So. I've, and the valuation is not nearly 
as stretched as other ones. And they have the infrastructure. They have the know-how to build good cars because they've done it with just different drivetrain before. And so I would urge you, you know, uh, if you've been a listener to the show for any length of time, which doesn't sound like you have, you'll know that we're not these type of investors. Right? We're not chasing the story. We're looking at cash flow, earnings, good management, profitability, valuation. These are factors that, to us, make good investments. Now, if you're just looking for a trade, trying to ride that momentum, you know, they could keep going, right? The EV names. However, we are in an environment where, I've said this before, if inflation keeps going up, the dollar keeps going down, interest rates keep rising, the 10-year, you're going to see a continued rotation out of these growth names, out of these techie names, and into the value side of the market. And you continue to see that. It's really since the September high. Over the last three-plus months, you've seen this rotation. And I think it's going to continue, Chris. We had growth outpouring value for many, many years, decade-plus. And that's just, just starting to reverse. So I hope that gave you kind of a broad picture of how to think, or at least how we think. You can, you can disagree. I could be wrong. It's one thing I will admit. And you need to as well. You're going to be wrong. This is not a game where you're going to bat a thousand. Nobody will. Will never happen. So that's my take. And I hope that helped and gave you some perspective. And we appreciate you being a new listener. So thanks for calling. 888 chart 888-992-4278. We have about 15, 16 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Let's touch a little bit on big tech. And there are now, there's, there is now, a FTC lawsuit against Facebook, signed by 48 attorney generals. There's also charges by the EU against Amazon. And a Justice Department lawsuit versus Google. Only Apple of the high-profile tech names, fang names, shall we say, have not seen backlash from government, from developers, but not from government. Now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that federal and state antitrust authorities are readying more action against Facebook and Google by the end of next month. And this is now a bipartisan issue. This isn't something where Republicans want to do one thing, want to leave it alone and Democrats don't or vice versa. Both have different reasons for government action, but they've reached the same conclusion that something needs to be done about big tech's dominance. And this has big consequences, potentially, for many of these names. And a House subcommittee issued a 449-page report in October with suggestions on how to remedy the monopolistic power of many of these names. Right? They want to blo- block large acquisitions, for example. And they say that there's real consequences to big tech's dominance on businesses that operate online and whether these markets are open and fair or increasingly controlled by just a few dominant firms. 
And that is a big, big issue. Now, this does not hurt the stock price for these companies, right? Talking about Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google. The worst one's up 30% this year. It's the worst one. And so what's happening here is it's having an effect on acquisitions. They're not acquiring other companies because they don't feel like they're going to get past regulatory scrutiny, which is understandable. Facebook still plans, is reportedly planning a purchase uh, customer relation management startup for a billion dollars, but they're holding off on that. Google is looking at Fitbit, but the EU hasn't approved that either. And they're getting bombarded on multiple fronts from governments really all over the world. And so heading into next year, probes of all of these big tech names are just sprouting up everywhere. From charges on anti antitrust abuse, privacy violation, and other misconduct. And what this means is they're likely to, I think, struggle. Why? Because in the tech world, the more data, the bigger you are, the more power you have. And they've been wielding it. And if, for example, governments try to force Facebook to spin off WhatsApp and Instagram and maybe some of the other platforms, right? If they try to break up Google and YouTube and some of their other properties, how is that going to play, right? These are all areas where they gather information. They use it elsewhere with other businesses. So it makes them more competitive if they stay together and less competitive if they don't. And their growth is certainly going to suffer. And their ability to make smart acquisitions, which they've been shown to be able to do, is going to be hindered. And so these companies are valued based on growth, on continued dominance of the internet world. And so I think this is another reason, not only higher interest rates, not only a weaker dollar, not only rising inflation, but more regulatory scrutiny is from all fronts, not just one front. And that's my thing is this isn't, oh, they're getting one lawsuit. There's one lawsuit against Facebook. That's not that big of a deal. It's both on the federal, state, and global level. And that's why I would say you want to be cautious with a lot of these big tech names. Now, if you enjoy the Invest Talk podcast, great. We love it. We're excited, and we want your, we love your support. And I hope you will tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And of course, I encourage you to reach out with your questions anytime, day or night, at eight 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 ninety nine chart. So let's go to a caller question that came in earlier from Florida. Justin and Steve, Matt from South Florida, saw uh, some positive comments on a national TV show about XPO Logistics, ticker symbol XPO. They made some good points about why it's undervalued and why it has a lot of room to run. Interested in your opinion? And if not, would a more traditional or, or I guess, known logistics company like UPS be a better play? Thank you. All right, looking at XPO Logistics. It's a global transportation and logistics company. And it owns 65 per, or 65 per, 
20% of XPO's gross revenues now come from transportation operations, including uh, asset light truck brokerage, intermodal, last mile, and global forwarding. So this is certainly a play on e-commerce in a way. Uh, it's a play on shifting global supply chains, which I think is important. Uh, and I, I think it's a, it's a good business overall. However, valuation, I think, is a little rich at this point. You're talking about about $500 million in free cash flow, $11 billion valuation. You know, not, not bad, um, but I think overvalued. Let's just say that. Even before the pandemic, revenues were falling in about a, a mid-single-digit clip, and earnings were, were going up, but their, you know, their, their sales were going down. Uh, so I just think that it's overvalued at this point. If it gets down to, let's see, it's at 120 now. Uh, my value is closer to the, let's see, what was it? It's uh, closer to the 75 to 80 mark, and now it's at 120. So good company to have in your balance sheet, or not balance sheet, but watch list, excuse me, uh, because they do have consistent profitability, especially over the last few years. So uh, I, I like the name. Uh, I just think it's gotten a little ahead of itself after its recent run. Remember, it's 52-week low is $38. Now it's at $120. So back sub-100, definitely in that 75 to 80 range, that would be a strong buy point for XPO Logistics. XPO is the symbol. Thanks for the call. 888.99 chart, 888.992.4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in. I think we're going to go to another caller question. Oh, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to explore the financial and investment information we have posted over on our website, investtalk.com. You can learn about our various investment strategy opportunities we offer through KPP Financial. And if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you want to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley and set up a time to have a discussion with us. You can learn more at investtalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Bobby from Atlanta. What do you guys think of uh, Slumber J, S-L-B at these levels? Let me know on the next show. Thank you. Bye. All right, looking at Slumber J, and this is, is actually a name that we own for managed accounts, and we like Slumber J. Uh, we think it's the best in the oil services business. It's very global, and uh, we think very undervalued here. Our value is closer to $50 a share. Now it's at 20, what are we at? 20, 23. There you go, 23 and change. And uh, just stellar. Positive, strong cash flow, even even with the very tough, very tough oil environment over the past 12 months, you're talking about $3 billion in free cash flow, and it's at $32 billion market cap, uh, solid balance sheet, uh, even though their leverage is higher than it usually is, but I think their balance sheet is, is safe. Um, and if you look back in the past... This up here. There you go. Look at back in the past when oil is, you know, in its normal range around fifty to eighty dollars a share. You're talking about six to seven billion dollars in free cash flow each and every year. So I really like their business. I think I'm a big fan, and this is a name that, if you're looking to gain exposure to the oil space, right? That's not the normal drillers. This is the company that helps 
the drillers, right? That owns the assets. This is a great diversifier within the oil patch. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. It's December, and the markets have been interesting. So you've got finance and investment questions for Steve and Justin. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, and your calls are welcome now. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name's Ian from Wisconsin. Got a question about Anheuser Busch, but uh, right now, currently, my portfolio is way over 20% in the energy sector. I'm looking to kind of diverse. It's hard for me to break out of the energy sector. Currently have holdings in ExxonMobil, Halliburton, Baker Hughes, Gold. Those are my big hitters right now. And just for the energy sector, I think that's really going to bust open here after the COVID thing uh, goes through. But like I said, just trying to uh, possibly sell a few shares and uh, get into a different sector. So uh, listen to your podcast every day. You guys can't do enough of them. Appreciate the call, and I'll look forward to hearing on the podcast. Thanks, guys. All right. Good idea that you are trying to diversify away from the energy sector. Not away, but 20% is, is, is high. So, you know, you're definitely near the limit on that. Uh, now you're looking at Budweiser. This is actually another name that we own for uh, managed accounts. Uh, bought it somewhere in the 50s, I believe. Now it's at $70.76 a share. Uh, certainly their business is being held back by COVID shutdowns. A lot of their sales are on-premise beer sales. Certainly in-store sales are doing better. But to me, this is a good value from a reopening play, right? Earnings this year are expected to only be $1.92. But last year, they were $4.08. Expect the next year to be $3.19. And we expect that to, to gradually go up as we, we reopen, right? And so getting back to $4 a share, even back to potentially $5 plus like they did that they made in 2015 uh, is certainly a possibility as well. So uh, yields 1.5%, not a huge dividend, but I think that's uh, going to be able to go up. Now, they're European-focused, so uh, a lot of their... The bars, et cetera, are shut down in Europe, and, and that's going to be still a near-team headwind. But the market's starting to look forward, right? you got to look forward past the pandemic, and I think Budweiser is a good good one for that, uh, good value, and a great business. So I like Budweiser. Now, let's close it up. We had that caller about EV sales. Now, what can President-elect Biden do to potentially boost the EV sales? of the U.S. Now, there's a few things that he can do. One is to increase or create a carbon tax, an economy-wide carbon tax emission, uh, emission on carbon tax, uh, economy-wide tax on carbon emissions. There we go. (laughs) And the problem is that would raise the price of a lot of things, including gasoline. And when gasoline prices go up, that is not what people like here in America. It it, it actually makes you fairly unpopular the higher gasoline prices go. And so I don't think that would be great, especially right off the bat, where you have such a divided America. Uh, And Congress has 
resisted this strategy for many years. So I don't think that will actually happen. I think they're going to go to they're tried and true. One is a tax credit. They have already have a $7,500 tax credit to buy electric vehicles here in America. But each automaker is capped at 200,000 vehicles. until And then it starts getting phased out. GM and Tesla have already reached those caps. So total with all the automakers, that's only 1.9 million vehicles, which isn't a lot. So we could, they could raise that ceiling up and extend that tax credit beyond those 200,000 vehicles. Also, there could be what is called a Clean Cars for America. This is proposed by Senator Chuck Schumer. $392 billion is what it would cost. Sounds like a lot, and it is, but we're talking about spending trillions of dollars right now. And politicians have really kind of forgotten about fiscal discipline. Whether it's good or bad, we'll see, but it seems the case. And what this plan is to do is to give EV buyers $3,000 for their old gas-powered cars, right? To trade in their old, maybe inefficient cars. So adding that program to the tax credit could eliminate up to $14,000 from the cost of an electric vehicle. Now, the number one thing I think the easiest, and I think they'll definitely do, is push government agencies to buy electric vehicles. Right now, less than 1% of the federal fleet's 645,000 vehicles are electric. So it's easy to say, hey, government agencies, you you have to buy electric vehicles. I think there would be a push, but I still think that the hype in this space is overdone in relation to how fast the EV rollout will be. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We'll return on Monday. Steve Pease will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts for free download over at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, as well as InvestTalk.com, where you can listen live every weekday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.